0: Why do we live in a society where only a few people get to quote unquote, live their dreams and go out and make it happen for themselves and all the rest of us, mostly who don't have the resources that they need, have to take these like frontline jobs or have to do the grunt work that we don't necessarily like to do, but we have to quote unquote, work for the man. I just don't believe in that model anymore. And I do believe that with the anything economy that we're seeing emerge out of some of these web 2.5 platforms. But as we evolve into a web three world where we are designing and developing 3D interoperable worlds, there's gonna be even more opportunity for the anything economy of talent. Welcome back everyone to the geeks, geezers and Googleization show. The home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the
1: crazy shift going on all around us and explore the disruptive convergence of technology, business, and people. Here are your hosts, Ira Wolf and Jason Cochran.
2: Hey, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Thank you for being part of Googleization Nation. I'm Ira
3: Wolf, and I'm Jason Cochran. If you think this is just another podcast, think again. We're the voice of the most important conversations on a future of work that are confronting business leaders and people today. And as you know, our goal is to bring you ways to reimagine tomorrow and explore the ever-changing convergence of business, technology, and people.
2: Well, welcome to our first episode of the second half of 2023. Uh, it's hard to believe we're in the middle of July already, Jason.
3: That's right. It's, it's crazy. crazy.
2: Yeah, it absolutely is. So I don't think we could have a more fitting conversation about Googleization in 2023, the convergence of people, business, and technology than the one we're about to have today. We are welcoming a fascinating guest, Josh Treen. Josh is the co-author of a new book coming out in 2024 called Employment is Dead. That's been the title of one of his keynotes, which I've listened to. You can catch him up on YouTube and a couple other places. But he's also an expert on the metaverse. And for you, of those of you who think it's dead and it's out of the way, you got another thing's coming. Can't wait to get my hands on the book, but we're going to get a sneak peek into it today. And we're also going to be talking about a couple of things that will probably blow your mind. To set the Employment is Dead conversation up, let me recap A bit of a controversy and brouhaha I got into this week on LinkedIn about some of the employment numbers that were coming out. So the latest Bureau of Labor Statistics report shows the working age population grew by over two million people from June 22, 2022 to 2023. Now, that seems like really good news for a lot of employers. And some of the headlines are so bold to say the great resignation and quiet quitting are over and that employers are finally regaining the upper hand in the labor markets. But I wouldn't quite take that check to the bank yet. At least don't cash it. Let me help you read beyond those headlines and between the lines. In 2000, that's just a little over 20 years ago, there were about 2 million more 17-year-olds than there were 64-year-olds. For the 40 years before that, there were over 2 million new young workers coming into the workforce every single year. Well, all those people who were coming into the workforce 40 years ago are now exiting. But unlike 50 years ago, those retired workers aren't dying. Many are living into their 80s and 90s and 100s, which means they need workers to serve and service them. So fast forward to today and the number of Gen Z entering the workforce is equal to the number of baby boomers leaving it. In other words, the percentage of our working age population growth has ground to a halt. It's literally fell off the cliff and that's our potential workforce. Not everybody who's eligible to work works. And falling, it actually fell below zero during the early days of the pandemic because we were all on lockdown and there was no immigration. That means that zero growth of our working age population is, especially when it's a problem, when under 14 and over 65 is growing. In fact, the over 65 population increased 34% at the same time that the labor force was not growing at all. So this trend is expected to continue through 2030 when we might get a small uptick, but we've got some news for any employer who thinks this, it's game over for a great resignation and quiet quitting and that they will regain the, the upper hand. They're living in a bubble and la la land, whatever you want to call it. It's just not going to happen. And the last few years were just a warm up. They were just preseason because the real game in the labor market is just about to begin especially with what we're gonna talk about today with the metaverse. But that leads me right into today's perfect labor storm segment. So on each episode, we focus on a disruptive, surprising, or worrisome trend that we believe you should know. So here's today's perfect labor storm, and it's a perfect setup because it's about the metaverse. If, for those of you who thought the metaverse is dead, are going the way of what some of us might remember was Second Life, which about 20 years ago. In our last episode, Doug Hulhan Hul- Hul- projected we'll have 1 billion users in the metaverse by 2027. So Jason did a little digging on that stat. We thought it might be aggressive or a bit hyperbole. And here's what he found. By 2026, there'll be almost 2 billion people or 25% of the worldwide population will spend at least one hour each day in the metaverse, shopping, working, socializing, or consuming entertainment. And that's from McCann World Group and Gardner. So real stats. By the same year, the total value of virtual goods sold in the metaverse could be as high as $200 billion. By 2030, the metaverse market will be almost $1 trillion, and more than 50% of people will probably be working in the metaverse within 10 years. And even as soon as the next two years, about half of Gen Z and millennials plan to do some work in the metaverse. Crazy stuff.
3: Yeah, Ira, it absolutely is. It just boggles my mind to think about what this is going to look like in the future. And the title for today's episode is just absolutely fascinating. Employment is dead. I don't think any of us thought in 2019 That employment would look like it already does today in 2023 where we have so many people working remotely or doing hybrid work schedules and this is just the initial ripples in the ocean of the massive changes on the horizon for the future of work we're going to get josh on in like less than two minutes here but just to tee him up think about some of these things spatial computing augmented reality mixed reality decentralized autonomous organizations cryptocurrency web3 applications and of course the proliferation now of ai All of these things are converging at the very same time, and they're fundamentally going to change most of the systems and structures that we've known and been been accustomed to over the last hundred years or so, particularly as we've understood our work lives. So, today's episode got me to thinking about the singularity, which is maybe the first time that we've discussed this on the show. For our listeners who may be hearing that term for the very first time, quite simply, singularity is a time in the future. When AI is able to perform any task as well as a human can, and it can improve itself exponentially. A few years ago, futurist Ray Kurzweil thought that this would happen around 2045. But get this, with already how quickly AI is advancing, they now have moved that number up. And now they're saying it's 2030. So in just seven years from now, due to how rapidly AI is learning and becoming adopted around the world, we're expected to hit this singularity point. Now, I'm not sharing this to create doom and gloom. Rather, I'm sharing it from a positive perspective. Will we finally be able to evolve out of the traditional ways of thinking about work as a 40 hour per week minimum commitment? Are we gonna be able to cure diseases, solve world hunger, reverse climate change, and maybe even travel through time or the galaxy? While we're not gonna be able to answer those type of questions today, we're at least going to be able to cast a vision for the near term future and what you as a business leader need to be doing right now to prepare for it and leverage it to the advantage of your people and your organization. And so with that, without further ado, let's give a warm Googleization Nation welcome to today's honored guest, Josh Dream.
0: Yeah, thanks for the, the wonderful tea up there as well, Jason and Ira. Thank you so much for having me on the show.
3: Absolutely. As you heard, we've got a lot to unpack together today so and we want to pick your brain on these things. A lot of times we, we talk about your story, usually with our guests to kick off with, but I just want to get right into the topic of your book and then we'll circle back around later on in the show to get to know you a little bit better on a personal level. So let's start here. The name of your book that's coming out in 2024 is Employment is Dead. Tell us about that. What do you mean?
0: Yeah, it's a bold claim that I don't think a lot of people are considering right now, especially employers who are looking to the future and seeing all of these emerging technologies kind of at this point are excited to put the metaverse on the shelf. Web3 decentralization, you know, that was gone the way of the crypto, bro. Thank you. Now we can get back to work. (laughs) Um, But to your point, Ira, these technologies are emerging very quickly. And I believe that they will take the corporate world by storm. Primarily because employees will be driving the disruption. For the first time in history, employees will have the power to choose other options outside of employment that better meet their lifestyles, that better meet their preferences, that better meet what is a fulfilling life for them. And so this book is simply highlighting the fact that these technologies are going to allow the employee or the contributor to work in ways that were previously impossible, that they can work whenever they want, doing what they love from wherever they are in the world. Web3 technologies will radically change our relationship with work. And that's what we're writing about.
3: And so Josh, for those who are hearing this maybe for the first time, can you paint us a picture of of Maybe what that looks like. Are you referencing like decentralized autonomous organizations where people may be basically their their own business and then they're doing smart contract work on different types of projects instead of being tied to one employer? Is that what you're referencing? It'll look like.
0: That's right. And I think before we talk about that directly, we should probably take a step back and look at the problem itself, the problem that is being solved. and The problem, how I see it is that employees are unhappy that the structure of work no longer works for employees. It doesn't work for employers. It's not, it's, it's producing diminished returns. And the big problem that we're seeing is simply that that employees are unhappy. And when we start there, we can start to play around with what the future of work actually looks like. I think if you're in HR and you're very interested in retaining top talent in recruiting, top talent in continuing to do business as usual, we've kind of moved away from employee engagement, which has been really hot for decades. And we're still tracking employee engagement. Gallup has been, their their workforce poll has been happening for years now. But when you look at that number, disengagement is the lowest it's ever been. At least 85% of the workforce, of the global workforce is either disengaged or actively not engaged. And that is a shocking number to me to know that most people at work are not happy, are not enjoying it. They're jumping from job to job. And we're still getting kind of this approach of like, well, maybe we can just like offer better perks or have yoga or (laughs) snacks in the break room. This engagement kind of come back to the office and we will give you everything that you need to be here as much as possible. Just doesn't work the way that it used to when the big tech was all about that life. And, and so we have m- moved into this employee experience design era. A lot of HR p- departments are very curious about how do we design an experience that employees love? How do we customize their schedules? How do we collect feedback that, that they give us and implement it in a way that makes the experience better for employees? And Ira, you, you, you highlighted this perfectly, right? The economy or the quote unquote recession, wherever we are today, is kind of being used as an excuse for executives to RTO or return to the office. But when you look at the the numbers there, it's very fascinating to see that most employees don't want to return to the office. Most employers want to return to the office. And I think their argument is the same. Employers want them to come back to the office because of the culture, because we can be more creative, because we can get better work done and we can be more productive when we're in the same space. And employees are saying, yeah, but look at the numbers, like we've been productive and we've been able to build a lifestyle around our work instead of making work the central part of our, our lifestyle. I don't want a nine to five anymore. I want to be able to pick up my kids. I want to be able to not have to commute. I want to be able to 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 work in a way that I want to work. And so there is this kind of conflict of interest going on there. So So who's right and who's wrong? I just want to say that like, when you look at the overall state of employment, it's because a lot of workers are unhappy. They like corporate America is extremely extractive. They don't get to own their own creativity. They don't get to exercise their agency. And I just believe that in today's world, they are being, you know, disengaged and they're jumping to another employment opportunity in the future. They will jump to a web three model that better serves those, those needs.
2: Josh, you're, you're dead on. And, and I love the, I mean, you brought up Gallup and they talk about that all the time. And, you know, and in fact, this year that everybody was hanging their hat on that, it actually engagement hit a record high 34% in the U S that means two thirds of people are still disengaged and that's a record high. So we were never very good at managing people, getting them engaged, keeping them connected, but the markets, you know, dramatically changed. And just this morning, Jason had posted something about, you know, we we talk about we can't get in sync, we we can't be in sync when we're remote, and I'm I'm currently taking a uh, neuroscience, uh, brains in business. So how how do we how do we use neuroscience to get better results in business? And uh, there was just a study that came out that there were two people 130 miles away, up up, actually near Harvard, and I think it was Harvard and uh, Dartmouth, and they were both in in uh, MIRM RI machines and they were working together c- to create a story they were they were just talking to one another and by the end of the time they were per- their brains looked identical they were perfectly in sync so the reality is is we can do it we just haven't done it before it's just not new i i heard you say something and i'm going to probably botch this quote but it was in one of your might have been from your keynote that that zoom was not designed for human interaction or human connection. It was, it was just a way to communicate. So when we were all thrown into this that experiment three years ago, and we were forced to do that and go, see, remote work doesn't work. Well, it was because we were using a really primitive technology. To yeah, to yeah that. I mean,
0: that, that's a really stringent point, right? Is because we're all arguing over the same thing, right? Whether you want to call it culture, whether you want to call it... You know, being a a family at the organization, these tools that we are using to do remote have allowed us to go remote for the first time ever, really. Like the entire workforce went remote and we had enough of a tool in front of us to be able to communicate, to be able to send a message quickly and get a quick answer. But Zoom and Slack are not a workplace. They are tools that we use and we are missing some of those serendipitous connections Um, In the workplace, like running up to someone before a meeting to sync and get ready or to catch your boss really quick after a meeting just to ask a quick question instead of having to find some time on your calendar and jumping in and making it happen. And so my argument is that we can create a culture that allows for rich human interaction and we can do it virtually virtually. We just aren't there yet. That's the glory of the metaverse is that we can get to a point where we have a digital twin that is powered with AI that helps us interact more efficiently with our peers virtually. And so now we have a a confluence of two worlds where we have the best of both worlds. It's not being more digital, more robotic, AI is taking over the world. It's being more digital and more human. And, and that's what I believe. And that's what we're pushing forward with at the Work3 Institute.
2: You know, I, th- I think we have three generations represented here. And Jason, you may sort of remember this. You may be been, been on the back end. And, and Josh, you may not have been around when this happened. But for, in the eight, and I just was in a conversation with this this morning with a couple of peers on another podcast, is in the 80s, the biggest crisis the biggest reason for distraction and low productivity in the workplace was the lunchroom and the water cooler. And isn't it amazing that now we're talking about the moments of serendipity when when they happened, and when did they happen around the water cooler and in the lunchroom? And we're trying to recreate those, but they, those were banished for years. Managers complained about how they were a distraction and people weren't doing their jobs and they weren't working. and now it's like, that's what we miss. That's what, mm-hmm. but it's real. That, that is true. But just as you, I'm sure we're, we're going to talk about this a little bit in the metaverse is there because you don't even need the metaverse to do it. There are ways to get in sync and, and to have the, cre- those creative moments even through something like StreamYard, like we're using now or through zoom or through Slack, people are doing it. They're just doing it differently.
0: Right. And before we jump too far into the technology side of things, I just want to say that I think we're having the wrong conversations. It's not to RTO or to not RTO. It's not, well, you guys aren't working well enough from home because we don't have visibility into your workflows. It's not about management being more efficient at driving productivity I think the problem that we're facing is that in a capitalistic society, we have emphasized productivity so much that we have lost the full vision of what meaningful work actually is and what it actually means. When you listen to a lot of HR speakers and when you listen to like corporate individuals, thought leaders, trying to push forward, you know, a future of work, we're all talking about the same thing, but then it comes down to this moment where we're like, We need to track productivity of each employee. All of our employee experience initiatives should be driving productivity. We should be measuring it, and we should be increasing that quarter over quarter over quarter. And I think that's wrong. I just do not think that that is something that it's not just me. It's the younger generation who's just not going to accept that as good enough for their life. We need to also consider the other end of the equation, which is Fulfillment is the work that you do meaningful? Does it bring you joy? Is this something that you want to do? And employment has never allowed for that element to come in and, and have its place. It's all a task. You're contractually obligated to give me your hours from nine to five. You do everything that you know a central group of decision makers tell you that you need to do And that is how we are productive. And while that worked really well in the industrial age, we are no longer there. We no longer are in a factory trying to push a button and get work pushed forward in that way. We live in an age of information and creativity where the next thing needs to happen today. We don't have enough time to let it go up the chain for executives to sit on it for a while and to come back down. We need to empower our frontline employees to be able to make decisions, to be able to pivot quickly and understand where they're headed and also to bring back some of those fulfilling elements. And so what we do at the Work3 Institute is we help employees and employers bring back some of those elements that are missing in in the equation so that people will find joy in the work that they're doing and thus be more productive in the long run. Because as you know, with Gallup tracking these numbers, when we are happy at work when we are fulfilled, we are more productive. It's just never been an emphasis because we are stuck in this, what's happening today? What are our Q1 deliverables?
2: Yeah. Let me just throw something in. I forgot to mention this before, because when we talked about those engagement numbers is Gallup now started to measure thriving as well as engagement. So what, what's fascinating is it's that Hey, we got 34% engagement. Yeah. But you only have 9% engaged and thriving. So people are showing up for work. They feel somewhat connected, but they don't feel fulfilled outside of life, and that's the risk. So when you only have nine percent of the popular of the working age population that are engaged and thriving, that's the problem.
0: Mm
3: -hmm. Absolutely. And Josh, just to piggyback on what you said there and support this, this isn't just in business. When I used to work in schools, we would actually measure academic engaged time with students. How engaged are they with the actual instruction, with the curriculum that's going on? And here was the thing that was fascinating, that years of research told us in education. You know how you get better engagement from students? when They have skin in the game when they are actually helping come up with the rules in the classroom of what it means to be a good student, of what the success looked like. Instead of it just being all top down from the teacher saying, this is everything that you're going to do when you invited the students to the table to have a voice in those things guess what they actually were willing to compromise a little bit more like okay you need that but i'm telling you these are some other things that i need in order for me to feel like i'm doing my best and
1: yeah. to be
3: successful in the classroom and what you just shared in terms of this web3 push and the decentralization the big word that you used was autonomy that's one of typically the top 2 drivers for people in work is they want that autonomy they want to be trusted that I know what I'm doing. I know the problem we're trying to solve. In fact, I might know how to solve it even better than you do at the very top because I'm the boots on the ground working with the customers every single day to solve the problem. And a lot of times those bureaucratic ladders, they get in the way, actually, the thing that they say they care about, which is productivity. It's like if you want productivity, you decentralize, you put more power into the hands of your people that are actually doing the work and understand the problem. Now, the other thing I want to go back to also, because I want your comments on that, is you talked about digital twins as well in the metaverse, and I can't help but think, I don't know what the percentage, and I hate doing a bifurcation, but introverts and extroverts, okay, let's do that dichotomy. I can't help but think how many introverts in particular who are saying, return to the office, why? Like, I do so much better work, I collaborate with other people so much better whenever I'm working from home or potentially in the metaverse, um, that that idea of them having a digital twin that they could have in the metaverse to assist with some of those interactions or assist with the information curation, I got to think that that would be a, a big boost for them as well. So I'd love to hear your comments or ideas on those things as well.
0: Yeah. This is already a fascinating conversation, and I'm so glad that you are both passionate about this as much as I am. Jason, I think you nailed it. You know, I used to work for an HR consulting firm, and it was great, a great learning opportunity, but there were some practices that I still just kind of stopped and was like, wait, what? Like, for instance, one of the things that they taught a lot was design for the empty chair. There is an empty chair in the boardroom that is technically the, the chair for the employee, and we need to design specifically for that employee to make sure that those experiences are meaningful. And I was just like scratching my head like, but why is the chair empty? Why, why don't we put someone in that chair and, and actually start talking to our employees? And that was actually the foundation of the startup that I was building out of the Harvard Innovation Labs. We were pioneering sentiment analysis in real time. That was a fancy way of saying you need to collect real-time feedback from employees on their experience, create a trusting environment so they're honest with you, and then you need to implement those insights at all costs. We, Ira, I love that you are a millennial stuck in a boomer's body. Like I know that you're very progressive on this. Like we are used, we are a generation that's used to feedback instantly with social media. We can make a post, we can see how our friends are reacting, we can see how many likes it gets. We are used to immediate and and next level feedback in our world, and so why aren't we doing that same thing at work? And so what we were doing, we were we were putting elements in place to kill off the annual survey. Who wants a one data point once a year on how employees are feeling? It's, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like a relationship. And so, how can we get to a place where we are collecting that feedback in 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 a way that makes sense and implementing that feedback? And the more we consulted, and the more that I built this startup, the more I realized that it's not a survey problem. It's not an employee problem. It is a work structure problem. I just this is the cynical part of me. I don't think that corporations as they currently exist today are going to be able to pivot fast enough or embrace emerging technologies fast enough for employees finally to be empowered to say, see ya, like here's a new model of work. It's the uberization of talent. I can just pull up the app. I can start working whenever I want. And whenever I want, I don't have a boss. I'm working on several projects for several DAOs, which we can talk about in a sec at a time. And now I'm mixing and matching different streams of income making a living how I want to. And that yeah. is way more attractive to these nine to five employees who are absolutely just done with work. They're burned out. They're tired of working for the man. They want more autonomy. They want more authority. They want more ownership over the work that they're completing. And that's that's where we're headed. And, it's and to support
3: employees. that, Josh, Richard Foster, his models, I can't remember if he's Yale or Harvard, but he's a futurist and a, and a big time business guru as well. And his models have that 40% of the current Fortune 500 companies will cease to exist by 2027. That's just four years away. Nearly half of them will be gone. And so to your point, a lot of those leaders that are saying, we're not going anywhere. There are a lot of people beyond what we're talking about today, experts in this field that have a lot of data that suggest if you don't get with the program, you may be in that 40%.
2: Hey, and and Jason and and Josh, the reason why is because McKinsey just released the poll. Eighty-five percent of CEOs on the Fortune 500s say they don't believe they have the capability to adapt fast enough mm. to the future of change. So, yeah, I mean, eighty-five percent of CEOs of the Fortune 500 says we they don't believe they have the capability to keep up with the pace. Of change, and I hate to stop this conversation, but we got to do it for a minute. We're going to take a really quick break. We're going to um, we're going to go to our commercial break, and but we've been incredible conversation with Josh Streen. and we're talking about the the future of work. Employment is dead. When we come back, we're going to dig into a little bit more about the metaverse and a lot of other things that that we're, where we're headed with it. So stay tuned. We will be right back.
1: Are your employees feeling stuck and just showing up for a paycheck? Is your workforce working harder to get back to normal than adapting to the future? It's time to help them break their addiction to certainty and develop a growth mindset developed by one of the world's top rated future of work thought leaders. AQ plus mindset is a powerful tool to help your employees embrace change, adapt faster and grow on the job. Conveniently delivered to any smartphone or laptop and easy to digest five to 10 minute lessons. Managers can sit back and watch employee attitudes shift towards growth and innovation in just 30 days. Are you ready to help your employees thrive in this ever-changing, never normal world? Encourage them to show more grit, resilience, adaptability and unlock their potential. The journey to a growth-filled future starts with a growth mindset. Visit AQPlusMindset.com or call
2: 484-373-4300. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the Geek, Skeezers, and Googleization show. Here with Josh Dreen today, who's the founder of the Work3 Institute. Incredible conversation. Hated to stop it there just for a second, but we're going to get back in the flow real quick. We've had an incredibly active, thanks to you, Josh, number of comments and questions. Let's go back to the one. Let's see, this is from Rich. Doing what you love is such a privilege, love the way that's put, Uh, such a privilege for those who have leverage and high value add. How does that relate to income distribution and those with fewer resources?
0: Mm, Great question. It is such a privilege. And I just think that first and foremost, we need to change our mindset on that. Because why do we live in a society where only a few people get to quote unquote, live their dreams and go out and make it happen for themselves. And all the rest of us, mostly who don't have the resources that they need, have to take these like frontline jobs or have to do the grunt work that we don't necessarily like to do. But We have to quote unquote work for the man. I just don't believe in that model anymore. And I do believe that with the anything economy that we're seeing emerge out of some of these web 2.5 platforms like YouTube, let's take a look at YouTube, for example, you can make a video on any subject that you want, build a community and earn money that way. And the younger generation has grown up this way. They have been influenced by quote unquote influencers, and they want that same Lifestyle, and that's okay. We don't have to be, you know, the stodgy yeah. corporate individuals to say, "No, nope, that's just YouTube. It's pointless. Like only a few people are making money in that way. It doesn't work that way." I'm sorry. That might be, that might have been true, but as we evolve into a Web three world where we are designing and developing 3D interoperable worlds, there's going to be even more opportunity. For the anything economy of talent, whatever you love to do, and that skill that you love, go develop it. And don't work for a corporation who's only going to let you do 10% of your work doing that, but they have this whole list of other things that they want you to do. Web3 flips that model and says, you can do 90% of what you love to do. You can do it now. It exists in a 2.0 world like Upwork and Fiverr. Some of these freelance platforms will allow you to, to work how and when and where you want. The grind grind and the hustle is still just a barrier to entry for a lot of people. Like, sure, we want to go do our own thing, but we have to work even harder to make it happen. When you mix AI, machine learning, and Web3 technologies sitting on the blockchain, all of a sudden you have a Web3 version of Upwork that will map out all of your skills. It will map out all of your talents. It will... Use AI to match you with projects, not for a specific company, but for any company around the world that needs your services. It will place you on a team with individuals who are like passionate and excited about this. You can choose your preference, whether you want to work on just a week long project, a year long project, and, and you can customize that. that. That is the world that is coming. coming. And so to, to a roundabout way answer that question, it is a privilege but it should be a privilege for everyone, and Web three and decentralization makes it finally possible.
2: Yeah, this might be a little bit of an easier one. It's from uh, my our friend Nia. I was just on her podcast, knowing knowing self, knowing others, the other day from Australia. So we've got uh, global listeners on this one. Welcome. Uh, yeah. So Nia asked, Do you think this is a sector? This is sector specific, and how do you think the public sector and charitable sectors will adopt?
0: Great question. Not all industries are created equal. (laughs) Not all (laughs) industries adapt change in the same way. I actually just gave a a presentation in South Korea at the MetaCon event, and I, I put up these charts of the potential growth in the metaverse broken out by industry. And you'll see there are definitely some industries that are going to gravitate much more towards that. The gaming industry obviously is very strong in the metaverse. It's a natural transition. Surprisingly, the industrial metaverse is is going to grow at an exponential rate and we're already seeing some amazing case studies coming out of nvidia using their omniverse platform bmw for example is using the industrial metaverse they, they built a digital twin of a factory so that they can test conditions in a remote environment in a digital environment before implementing it in a physical way which you can only imagine saves so much money they're, they're actually 30 percent more efficient because of the metaverse and so so yes and no like some in industries will gravitate towards this more and will implement it. you imagine like jobs in the government probably won't move as fast. whereas like the, the hospital uh, world has already seen some great changes. There's a company called Levin who is a digital detox from digital technologies, it's kind of fascinating, but it's a Web3 world where you can be in a hotel in a virtual space that is really lovely and they offer all sorts of services there. So there's a lot of changes happening there. And you know, I, I think that especially when you have companies that are traditionally like crowdsourcing or need more of a community, we'll find ways to build a Web3 community more efficiently and be able to drive better ways of earning money that that way, you know, charities will be able to have a community and set up like, you know, a monthly plan or at least be able to host virtual meetings where individuals can come in and work together. Um, So so it's it is important to watch your specific industry and how it's evolving. That being said, I don't think there's going to be an industry, even you know, traditional deskless workers, blue collar jobs, that isn't going to be touched or influenced by the metaverse.
3: Yeah. And with that, Josh, it, it's just fascinating to me to think about employee resource groups. I don't know if you've heard about those before, but that's become a really big thing within the HR world of now that we have more people working on the same team, but to spread out around the world, how do we create that cohesion? How do we help create that culture? And then this concept of employee resource groups, ERGs came about where people with similar interests and passions that may work in the same organization come together and do those types of activities. What you just shared with me makes it sound like the metaverse is going to make that even more possible and even more of a a connection type strategy within organizations. What are some of the other benefits you see in terms of creating the, the connections among people? that the, the metaverse is going to make capable. And, and maybe it's some stuff with the Apple vision pro.
0: Yeah. I mean, and I feel like we're still like talking within the HR realm, which is where I like to stay because it's important. We can jump further into like, what is the metaverse? What does it mean? Are we going to be wearing headsets? Yes or no. But like to your point, Jason, like you brought up a perfect example of how like HR technologies are going to evolve. Another really hot HR technology right now is a talent marketplace. This is, especially hot as we are scaling back on our workers, we are looking for new skills and capabilities. And so these tools will allow you to come in and almost create a taxonomy of skills where you know exactly which employees have which skills, how capable they are in those skills. And now you can leverage that internally within an organization to match them with projects that they otherwise wouldn't have been a part of. And and so we're seeing this amazing opportunity to tap Potential that exists within the organization that has just hasn't been tapped yet. And I think that's a great technology. We we have companies like Fuel 50 and, and Gloat who are doing that. But I also stop short of like, why are we just doing this internally? And and why do we still have like these walls company to company? A lot of companies experience so much turnover that they just like, you know, employees go across the street and work for a couple of years at this company based on the project and then they win a government contract over here and then they go work for this company. And so I feel like the flow of projects and, and skills is already in place, but, but I do think that we are going to standardize that on the blockchain to where now you as an individual, don't just need a LinkedIn profile to tell people what you do and what you love, which is a self-reported way of doing it. It still blows my mind that we are still accepting self-reported resumes and We just believe that they are real and potential employees, candidates are just assuming that the job description is going to be exactly what they're doing, which there's a lot of memes out there (laughs) that you can see of like, you lied to me on your resume. And it's like, well, you lied to me about the job description. We won't have those issues down the road because all of it will be stored in a crypto wallet on the blockchain, so you know which courses you've taken, you know which certifications you've done. And it's not just trying to prove it to a human, it's AI scrubbing that data and that information and matching you with projects that make sense based on where you're at and where you wanna head.
2: Yeah, not, not, not only were the resumes and the job descriptions uh, fabricated, but then they built algorithms around it <laughs> to do to, to <laughs> the, to, to the selection and the management and the performance reviews. It's perfect. It's a perfect system, Josh. You had a question, and, and I'm going to throw it back at you. I think you asked this in in one of your in one of the videos that I watched, and I think this relates back to HR because I know people are trying to figure out. It's like so we're going to have all these people walking around with these, you know, th- these headsets, you know, like that. Mm-hmm. Which is another question is how like, how soon are we going to get rid of those? But the question you said I think you brought up was what's it like watching a baseball game or going to a concert or a hockey game or a soccer game in the metaverse? How is that different and some, and even better than being
0: there? Whew. You, you, you teed me up on that one, Ira. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's going to be so much better, you guys, like so much better. And, and I just want to paint this idea that like there's a lot of like skeptical individuals right now that are slow to adopt these technologies Because it's like, well, why would I do that when I can just watch the game on TV? Or even if you go back and you listen to Bill Gates, you know, late night show (laughs) and you hear him talk about the Internet, it's like, why would I watch a baseball game on the Internet when I can just listen to it on the radio? Right. It's just it's hard to, like, make sense of these emerging technologies. But we already live in a world where most people are dissociated from real life because they are watching whether it's a small screen like your phone or a big screen like a TV all day, every day, this is what we're doing. And especially when you look at maybe like an older generation who sure is watching Fox news or CNN all day long. They're just watching the news. They're watching their soap operas and that's like good enough for them. What if you could actually live that life? What if you could go sailing with your buddies? that are somewhere else in the world and travel is just miserable, you don't wanna go there, but you can get on a sailboat together. You can like use those skills that you used as a young man to, to be able to navigate to these digital waters. Like that's the kind of technology that we're seeing being adapted. I think that's when the value really takes off. There's a, a friend of mine, we work out of a co-working space and he he's more of a millennial stuck in a boomer's body as well. But I wear this headset and I'm doing my work and he always comments on it. Like, dude, you're going to trip down the stairs or like, you don't even see me coming. And I'm like, that's cool. And those are like some problems that we are working on. But just put my headset on for one second. Cause I don't think you realize how far along we are and how immersive these worlds are. And he just put it on and he, it changed his life. And so Yes, we still have a long way to go to adopt these technologies. And by the way, 171 million people own a headset across the world. So that's already a a promising number. And yes, like Apple is getting into the scene. You think the metaverse is dead, but yet Apple launches this Vision Pro, like that should be a signal that we are moving this way a lot faster. But it's important to like, look how Meta launched their metaverse versus how Apple vision pro launched their spatial computing system. It's like Zuckerberg had to launch a vision. He had to say, this is what it's going to look like. And then within a year we're not there. So it didn't work. Plus do we trust Meta is, is a big question. Whereas Apple, which is, I think a a reputable brand that is consistently put out products that make sense. Their approach was very, here's, the value that you generate using our products today. Here's how we're going to enhance that a little bit, avoiding the word metaverse, avoiding the word AR, VR, XR, and just focusing on where we're at today. I don't care if we call it the metaverse or not, but I am saying that it is time to focus on these technologies, what they mean for us, and find ways to be more productive. As someone who is... I was going to say,
3: as as someone who has sat through many football games, sporting events, concerts, been in lines at amusement parks, the idea that I could have an incredible experience, have the best seat in the house from my home, sign me up, especially Mm -hmm. if I'm tagging along my four younger sons. It's like, if this is going to make it a lot easier to do some of those things and create memories, I'm all for it.
2: Yeah, considering that we went to a concert at, uh, about four weeks ago, and it took us four and a half hours to do an hour and a half trip <laughs> to to get down there and then drive back. Um, yeah, I'm 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 game, but I I wish I can pull this up, and unfortunately we're getting pretty close to the end here. But I have a clip, and this is about four or five years ago. So my my mother and father-in-law, who were both they both recently passed in the last two years, but at the time they were like ninety-two and ninety-six, some somewhere in that ballpark. They came to visit, and I had my headset, and we and we said, "Oh, try it." And they go, "They can't." Well, my mother at least used a computer. My my father-in-law was was little. Uh, he, he was the the polar opposite of a digital native, and you know, like a push-button phone was modern technology for him. And we put it in and a little concerned about getting the, you know, the dizziness and stuff. Well, couldn't get my mother out of it. I mean, she's (laughs) like, where are you mom? And she was, you know, she was out, she was in India and she was in Bangladesh and she was in some falls in Africa and on the safari. And then we, you know, we asked my, my father-in-law to to go in, we asked Pap to go to put it on. And he's sitting there no, 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 I don't want to do this. And go, come on, just try it. I put it on an hour later. He's I don't know where he was. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, the vision that you just described is once people get that experience, what it feels like to, to be in an event, to be at a concert, to to be at work. It's like, how could that feel different? Because we're still using that two dimensional screen like we're doing now mm-hmm. uh, that it it it's odd. It's awkward. I mean, this is comfortable for for us because we've been doing it, but it's still not the same as being there but when you're when you're sitting there and and peering around and and you can say hey I want to change my seat and I let's go on the field what's it look like from behind the bench or behind the goal yeah or or backstage completely different
0: and and I also want to look at the other end of the spectrum to the younger generation who is a no-brainer adopting these technologies they've been using they've been living in the metaverse via roblox and fortnite for a really long time they already understand the concept intimately and they're more than excited to be able to put on their headset and watch their favorite esports team in las vegas dominating and get to participate in ways that were previously unimaginable and so when i look at the work environment and where we are today we have you know a generation that has been in quote unquote power for a long time. We've had C-suite executives who have kind of run in a specific way and have done work one way their entire lives. And then we have this like emerging generation that the concept just doesn't make sense to climb the corporate ladder. They don't even want to do that. And so I, it's interesting that like when I was a young millennial going through college, I saw an emergence of all of these articles saying we're lazy and we're entitled And since have debunked that myth, if you will, but millennials complied. We're like, Oh, this is what work is like. I guess we'll just do this. Shrug. The younger generation will not comply. They have nine screens up in their home. They are playing video games while writing an article on chat GPT while marketing their merchandise that they're selling on YouTube. They, they have a different perspective of value generation and Corporations do not know how to capitalize on this. We are so far away from being ready for a new generation to join the workforce. And that's why I'm a huge proponent of Web3 and the metaverse is because I see my seven-year-old son get in on his VR headset and play Gorilla tag with his buddies that he's made all over the world. And that is valuable for him. And And we have to build that work environment for them.
3: Josh, we could keep going on and on. In fact, I think we're going to have to do another round of this to dive into multitasking. You just talked about multitasking and the things we've always heard is we can't multitask, but maybe we are evolving into the ability to do that. Maybe with brain-machine interfaces, uh, Neuralink things that will eventually come along too, that we'll be able to do that even more in the future of work. But as we get ready to wrap things up today, we're going to move into what we call our lightning round segment. We're just going to ask you a few questions on a personal level. So these are going to be softballs compared to the stuff we've talked about today, just to help the listeners get to know you a little bit better. Are you ready? I'm ready. Cool. Let's start with a, a fairly easy one. How about a favorite song or musical artist?
0: Ooh, good question. Right now, I'm really excited about Taylor Swift.
3: <laughs>
0: Swifty. Yeah, That's the first time we've had Swifty tour. answer. I, I love I'm, it. I'm all about that, but I I'm, I'm a huge like EDM. I love marshmallow. I love anything electronic coming out of the world, but anything my kids listen to as well is obviously we have to listen to the Pokemon raps. That's just what we're doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Now,
3: have you done any concerts yeah in the metaverse? And I guess I asked that, like, are there any concerts that are happening in the metaverse right now?
0: Yes. Um I my son plays Fortnite fairly regularly. And so we just went to the Kid Leroy conference or the, the the concert in Fortnite, which was heavily attended and actually really cool because you can go into his house and have a house party. You can run down the block in LA and Hollywood and do a lot more exploring than just listening to the music.
3: I love it. How about this one? If there's any person in the history of the world that you could meet, who would you want to meet?
0: Oh, geez. Anybody. You're just you're just sitting throwing it out there to, to anybody. I, I would love to sit down Joe Rogan style with Neil Tyson DeGrasse. I think it would be awesome to just pick his brain about everything and anything science um, or Einstein. I think that would be fascinating.
3: Absolutely. And of course, with all the whistleblower stuff going on right now with, I think they call them NHI, non-human intelligence. Certainly a lot of really interesting stuff going on with that right now, in addition to all of the other things that we talked about today. And then um, how about this one? If there was one superpower, so if you're like a comic book fan, if you could pick one superpower, what would it be?
0: I mean, I know there's a lot of really smart options like omniscience or the ability to read people's minds, but like, I just want to fly. I just think it would be so cool to be able to fly whenever I want at whatever speed I want anywhere I want that that would be a win for me.
3: I love it. We've had several like teleportation, but I think this might be the first one where we got flight, which is really cool. But Josh, this has been an, an incredible conversation. Uh, again, for those who are listening, Josh Drain, he's he's one of the founders of Work Three Institute. You can go to work and then the number three dot me to look at the work that they're doing to help organizations and people prepare for the future of work and prepare for Web three. What are some other ways that folks can get in touch with you, Josh, and the work that you're doing?
0: Yeah. For those of you who love Web3 platforms, at Josh Dreen, you can hit me up on Discord. We have a server there. Threads. Can I throw that one out yet? Oh, yeah. <laughs> hit Absolutely. me up at Josh Dreen on all social platforms, TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube. Would love to see you there.
3: And I love that whether it was on purpose or not, you left out Twitter. It may be the next episode we do is Twitter is dead, not just employment is dead now that Threads is out. But thanks so much, Josh. We we would definitely love to have you on again in the future.
0: Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks very much, Josh.
2: Definitely want to have you back. We'll be in touch.
3: It feels like we just scratched the surface oh, on man. this stuff today. Oh, man.
2: I, I, we I couldn't have gone forever. I, and I know you're going to ask me what my takeaway is. My first takeaway is I want to be Josh's kid. <laughs> <laughs> right? Absolutely. <laughs> I, I definitely want to be his kid. I'll be really succinct here because I know we were running a little bit late. Um, I I think that the, the hashtag of this is anything economy, the anything economy. I think that sort of sums it up and, you know, hopefully we were able to give everybody a different perspective of, you know, what the, what the metaverse does. And, you know, it's not that jobs are dead, but the, the current idea of what employment looks like, the structure of employment and the
3: structure of jobs is dead. And people need to get out of their own way. We were in sync, partner. Of all the things that I jotted down, that was the same one for me, the anything economy. So right there, it's all changing before our very eyes. And we've talked with the Odeon Capital crew about this on episodes too, that maybe the traditional ways we've measured the health of the economy are not the same ways we need to be measuring it in the future because it is going through a metamorphosis. Things are changing in terms of employment, And the way that a lot of these traditional structures and models work. So, hopefully, today it was an optimistic one for our listeners and and hearing the optimism from all of us about what that future looks like, and especially for the younger generations too that are just now entering the workforce. If you haven't uh, subscribed to the show, please do so. We'd love for you to subscribe on YouTube, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and then, of course, all of the major podcast platforms too, because of you. We're in the top 1% in the world, and we're continuing to love what we do, trying to help you prepare for the future of work. But until next time, I'm Jason Cochran signing off. And I'm Ira
2: Wolf. Again, thanks very much for being part of Googleization Nation. Thanks for listening and watching Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Thank you, everybody, who was so active on the comments. Uh, we had a lot of great questions. One of those in the end was, what about loneliness? Is this going to create loneliness? And uh, a quick answer, I believe it's not. Because we'll be able to have deeper, better connections, even when we we are isolated. But that's just one of the many questions that we'll have in an upcoming episode. And until next time, don't let the shift hit your plans. Thanks for
1: listening to Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization. This show was produced and edited by Hilton Productions.